morning, church. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? Uh, One thing I noticed before I get started, the the presence of God must be like really strong on this side. Like everybody just hangs out over here. So you guys got to tell me the secret. Uh, Everybody's hanging out kind of weird. But anyway, uh, my name's Buck Benton. I get to serve you as the campus pastor here at Connection Church. And let me just say, I I love uh, what God's doing in our church. I'm super excited that you came to worship with us today. You could be a million places today. You could be drinking coffee and listen to it like kind of rain, you know. I don't know if you're like me, like prime napping, reading weather. Uh, Yeah, I am getting old, right? Um, But you chose to be here. So I want to take a second and just say thank you. And uh, I want to tell you, I believe God's going to do incredible things today. But I also think through this series, we're going to see God move in an incredible way. Um, See, we're in part two of a series that we've entitled Faith and Fear. And essentially what we're doing uh, in this series is we're going to be answering two questions. The first one is this, how do I live a life of faith, right? Like a life when my last day is done, they look back and say that man or that woman, he or she lived a life of faith, marked by faith, right? And then the second thing we want to answer is this, how do I live a life of faith when fear or obstacles are present, right? Like if we're all honest, how many of you have struggles? You walked in here with difficulties, right? That would be everyone I hope. If not, man, y'all write a book and shoot it to me. I gotta figure it out, what you got, what you figured out. But we're gonna be talking all about faith and fear. So one thing I wanna challenge you with this, if, if you know someone that needs to be here in this series, man, y'all get them here, all right? Y'all get them here. I'm excited and I really believe um, God is gonna do some incredible things, all right? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's up toward the front, uh, and it's going to be really awesome. Everything we're talking about uh, in this series um, is the, the story of David and Goliath. And like we said, how many of you have heard of David and Goliath, right? Like almost everyone, you're like, brother, I've been in VBS, right? I sang the song, Father Abraham, the whole shebang. I know what you're talking about. Right, But we're going to look at it a little deeper into this text, and man, I've enjoyed it. There's so much packed into this text uh, that it's going to take us seven weeks to walk through it, and so it's going to be awesome, all right? But to do that, I want to recap real quick and just talk a little bit about what we saw last week is this, is that pretty much the story goes, there's the good guys up on this uh, cliff or this hill, all right? Those are um, the Israelites, the people of God, if you will, the good guys, all right? And up on this other hill are the Philistines, the people that are against the armies of the living God, the bad guys, if you will. And so the Philistines, getting ready to take battle, go down into this valley and fight, this nine-foot monster comes stepping out of this place. I'm talking about nine feet, right? Like huge, giant guy. He's got all the right armor on. I mean, dude is a slap stud, Okay. He's a beast. And then he gets out there and pretty much says, if I can put it in 2017 terms, you you fools want some? Right? Pretty much. So 40 days, Goliath, this giant, steps out in front of the Israelites and says, y'all come get you some. Y'all take me out. All our guys, we'll, we'll get out of the way. You can have us. You can win this victory. And so for 40 days, the Israelites run away in fear, all right? King Saul, everybody, in fact, King Saul is so uh, scared of this guy that he says, yo, if one of you guys will go fight this sucker, I'm going to let you marry my daughter, right? Now, if y'all with daughters, you know the magnitude of this, okay? I've got a two-year-old. Um, he says, I'll give you free tax. Like, you're not going to have to pay taxes the rest of your life. And then on top of that, I'm going to give you a big lump sum of money, okay? It's a pretty sweet deal, right? And so all these grown men, they're all trained to fight. 40 days, they're just letting Goliath whip them. He don't even have to fight. He just says, hey, you want some, come get you some. Nobody steps up. And then out of nowhere, this 16-year-old, roughly 16-year-old shepherd boy comes up and basically says, why ain't y'all fighting this fool? 
right? He says this, he, said, he calls this Philistine a disgrace. Who's gonna remove this disgrace, all right? We're with the armies of the living God. Like, why is no one doing anything about this? And he, he basically is telling them, he keeps inquiring, I'll fight them, right? 16-year-old shepherd boy, last person you thought would fight. And so what we talked about last week is this, is why did David do that? See, David's eyes were focused on God much more than the enemy. Does that make sense? And that we all have struggles, we all have difficulties, we all have trials. But see, the thing is this, when we focus our eyes on God and we know God, all right, that those enemies and those trials are largely going to take their proper place and that they are not bigger than the God we serve. Amen? And so David, his eyes are fixed on God, the God that he knows can deliver him from this enemy. He says, I'll fight him. I'll fight him. And so last week we talked all about we have to see how God sees. And when we finally see God for who he is and who we are inside of God, that perspective changes everything. That all of a sudden the worry, the doubts, the anxieties, the things we struggle with, we understand that we can be in relationship with a God that can help us defeat those enemies. That we don't have to wake up and have an awful marriage every day. We don't have to wake up and worry with anxiety that the world's going to fall apart. Because see, here's the thing. You weren't designed for this world. You were designed for the next one. Amen? That we don't have to wake up and let these enemies whip us for 60, 70 years and then it's over. But rather we serve a living God who is powerful, he's faithful, he's just, he's good. He can help us conquer those Goliaths. Whew, I'm revved up. Y'all ready? Let's get going. So we're going to pick up the story in 1 Samuel 17, verse 28. We're going to read about four verses, I believe. Three, I can't count. We're good. Four, that's right, I can't count good. All right. Start in verse 28. So David's basically said, like, what's going to happen to the man that fights Goliath? So he basically says, I'm going to fight this dude, okay? Now, verse 28. It says, when Eliab, David's oldest, older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Verse 29. Now what have I done, said David? Can I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. Would you all pray with me? Father God, I, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I just... Uh, I thank you for, um, for what you're doing in this place. God, as I've been praying all morning, God, I just pray that you would come and speak to us in an incredible way. God, that we wouldn't leave saying we heard good music. God, we wouldn't leave saying we heard a good sermon. God, I pray we would leave and say we experienced God. The same God that is talked about in the Bible, the same God that David saw, the same God that conquered Goliath. God, I pray that we would leave here and know that we were in the presence of that God. But Lord, none of us can do that. God, I just pray that you're presence and power would be with us. God, I pray right now that if there's anything selfish in me, anything in the way, God, you would remove it. Lord, speak through me. And God, give us open hearts and open minds to receive your word. And God, help us to respond with whatever you're telling us to do. God, I know there's next steps people walking in here with. God, I know you've been dealing with people before they ever got here. And God, I pray that you would just give them the courage and faith to step. And God, just come speak to us, Lord. We love you in thy name. Amen. Amen. All right, cool. So, I want, to kind of, uh, I want to kind of talk you through this uh, thing, all right? I want to kind of talk you through this. And those that, uh, how many of you have ever taken a big step of faith? Like you didn't know it was going to, like how it was going to work out. You just knew God was telling you to do it, right? That's a scary time. Wouldn't y'all agree? That's a scary time. Every time, and I wish I could tell you 
since I've been following the Lord, I wish I could tell you that each step of faith gets easier. Like, it's just like, all right, I'm, I'm going to be able to step. But I'd be sitting here telling you a flat lie, and I'm pretty sure God wouldn't appreciate that, especially in the church, especially from a preacher, right? The reality is steps of faith are hard, all right? Steps of faith are hard. And so I want you to think about David, 16 years old, and, dude, he's getting ready to fight a monster, a Goliath, like this huge enemy. Like, he's getting ready to step into this battle. So I want you to think about it. Now, he may be talking, and he's got great faith, but here's the deal. Deep down inside, he knows it's about to get real, right? It's about to get real. It's like you talk a big game like in the UFC, and man, you know, you ever seen those guys when they're pre-fight, they're standing there and they're getting ready to fight them, you know, and they talk a big game, but here's the reality. Eventually, you gotta step in the ring, right? Eventually, you gotta step in the ring and fight. And so David's getting ready for this. He's getting ready to actually step into the battle. And if I was David, okay, and I'm taking this huge step of faith, this big, big step of courage, I would expect my brothers and my sisters and my, my, my kindred, the people in the, the armies of the living God, would just rally around me. Wouldn't you agree? You're like, man, if I'm taking this big step of faith, I know those close to me, they're going to they're gonna step in and rally around me, right? They're going to come to my side. I know for me, when I take big steps of faith, I just expect people are going to rally around me and be on my side. Now, look, here's the deal. Now, here's the reality. Now, I want you to hear this, and this is the title of the sermon today. If you're taking notes, write this down. To follow God, we have to have thick skin and a tender heart. Hear that one more time. To follow the Lord, we have to have thick skin and a tender heart. Verse 29. I'm sorry, verse 28. It says, when Eliab... David's older brother heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? All right, so first thing is this. He, he asked him, like, what are you even doing here? This, like, you don't belong. Like, what are you doing here? Then he says, and whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Let me give you a little context. Sheep herders were not like the elites of this time, okay? That's like people that are looked down upon. I mean, literally, you walk around in the wilderness with goats that smell like Duke, Right? Like, that's what you do, okay? You walk around with sheep in the wilderness. And so he's basically belittling them in front of all these armies, in front of all these soldiers. Like, what are you doing? Why aren't you with your sheep? Like, you don't belong here. Next, it says, I know how conceited you are. So he's speaking, and he says, how wicked your heart is. So he's questioning his heart, and it says, you ain't really about this mission of God. You're not really about fighting this Goliath. I know you're wicked. I'm talking into your heart. You are wrong. I know you're just making this up. And here he finishes with this. Then he questions his motive. He says, you came down only to watch the battle. All right? So four things I see in this is, is Eliab, instead of rallying to his brother's cry, like, I'm with you, David. Let's go fight this guy. He does what? One thing is this. He questions his motive. He questions his motive. He says, uh, you, you're, not, you're not really about this. Like, you're, you're not really about this. Your motive is not to defeat this Goliath and help Israel win. You're just showing off. You want to show off in front of these guys. Next thing is this, is that he implies that he doesn't belong. He says, you don't belong here. You, you need to be with a bunch of sheep. You, you are not ready. You can't do this. Third thing, and this is the most hurtful, and I'm about to share a little bit of my story, is that he questioned his heart. He questioned his heart. And the fourth thing we see in there is this, is that he would question his resolve. He said this, he says, you, you ain't going to do it. You ain't, you ain't about to step into the ring. You ain't going to step into the octagon, right? You're not going to do it. And so as I look at this, and y'all, it just spoke right into my heart. 
And why? Why would Eliab not rally to David's side? And I want to share something personal. And one thing when I planted this church, I always want to be transparent with you. I want you to know what God's done with me and what God shows me. That may be good times. And y'all, there may be some days that it's bad. But y'all, I've experienced this kind of hurt. When, I, when, I, when God was uh, speaking to me, I was an assistant principal at a school that I loved, school I grew up in, um, wrestling program that I loved. Y'all, y'all, largely a very comfortable situation, one that I really wanted to retire in, buy a house. And, and God started speaking to me. And God started telling me, I have something else for you, right? And God said, I want you to do this. And so first thing was this, I got to adopt my sons, Devin and Sebastian, Big step of faith. God was faithful. He took care of us. And then I was like, all right, well, that's a big step. Okay, we're good for a while. And then, and then Christ upped the ante. God upped the ante. And he said, no, I want you to leave all this, and I want you to plant a church. I'm like, dude, what? You, you talking to the right guy? Right? And so God began to speak to me and said, I, I want you to do this. I'm like, God, are you sure? And man, I, we've wrestled, golly, I'm telling you. It's like that story in the Bible you ever seen where uh, that man, I can't think of the top of his head, he wrestles that angel and he dislocates his hip during the night. Like I felt like that was me and God for a couple months and that I was wrestling with this decision. And finally I was like, all right, turned in my resignation and it was no going back. Like I signed it off and said, I literally have nobody at my church, all right? I have no band, no place to meet. Uh, I have my wife and two other couples, and that's it. That's all we got. Big step of faith, right? Big step of faith. And this is what I wholeheartedly, when I, when I took that step, I thought I would end up here and people that I knew and people, like, people would rally around me to say, man, this is awesome. God must be in this. God must be in this. And y'all, here's the deal. Some of the most difficult times of my life, because here's the deal. I was nervous. I was nervous. Like I looked at my insurance plan, and you know what it said? Holy Spirit right? (laughs) Then I looked at my retirement plan, Holy Spirit. And then uh, I I looked at my living situation, Holy Spirit, right? I kept getting the same thing. And so there's a ton of faith, a a ton going on in this. And and I just thought that that everyone would just rally around and people would be on board and that people that I knew would just rally around. And here's the deal. You want to know what I caught here when I did it, when I took that step? This is what I found, people that I knew, I trusted, I loved, that I, that I thought would rally. And not that they would hop on board what we were doing, but they would say, man, I'm supporting you. Like, I'm with you as you go and fight, as you go to take the gospel forward to people that haven't heard it. I'm going to be with you. And you know what I found? I found that people questioned my motives. What, why are you here? I'm like, brother, I don't, there ain't nothing in it for me. Folks told me, you don't belong here. You, you, don't get at, like, you don't belong to this community. Like you, you need to go. In fact, if you're going to plant your church, you need to go somewhere else. You need to go do something different. Then they questioned my heart, and people st- spoke into it and said, you're, you're just trying to hurt things. And I'm like, I, I just want to see people meet Jesus with everything that I am, with every fiber in my body. That's, that's what I want. And I want to tell you that. That's, that's what I'm here for. And then lastly, this is, this is painful as well, question my resolve, you'll never make it. You'll never do it. You'll, you, it'll die. It'll die. And y'all, I wish I could tell you I was like David, that I just turned my head and went on, but I'd be, I'd be lying. Y'all, it hurt. And God, God thank, thank goodness for the faithfulness of God that he met me where I was at and he gave me courage to just keep going, just keep stepping, keep doing what God's telling you to do and keep doing this. And, and then men and women rallied around me and said, I'm with you. 
I'm with you heart and soul. I believe in what God's doing in this place. And here's the deal. We've seen over 30 people come to know the Lord because of what God's doing in this place. Amen? Amen. And so I say all that to, to tell you this, and this is what I would write down, and this is, this is going to be true in your life as well. We follow God for the approval of God, all right? Not for the approval of man. Hear that one more time. We follow God for the approval of God, not for the approval of man. And here's the thing. I want to tell you all something, and, and th that difficulty I ran into... Man, I, I've forgiven them, and it's, it's over with, and, I, and it's, it's good. We're moving forward. But here's the deal. Like, I don't hold that against them, right? Because here's the deal. We all struggle with insecurities. We all struggle with doubt, with worry, with fear, right? I don't hold that against them. I'm just as messed up as anybody in this community. Like, I have sin that I have to fight and deal with. And if you walked in here, if this is your first time in church in a while, and you think that it's a bunch of people that got it all together, you're dead wrong. Look to your right. Sinner, right? Look to your left. Dude or lady's messed up. They got stuff they deal with. I got stuff I deal with, right? And so I want to talk to you and, and give you some reasons why, like why, why when we take steps of faith, why oftentimes do we find people are against us? Number one is this. I want you to find, and, and I believe this about David. See, David's faith exposed Eliab's fear. Hear that again. David's faith exposed Eliab's fear that oftentimes when we take steps of faith, like many of you now, I know you've got friend groups, you've got people in your community that there is no one following the Lord. Like no one that is like, they, they love Jesus, like Jesus is first in their life. And for you to take that step would be radical. Wouldn't you agree? Some of you in your own families, you'd be the first one that's, that has ever taken a step to say, I'm in. I'm with Christ. Like, I, that is who I am. And I know those steps of faith are difficult, but the reality of it is is that God is faithful in those steps, and you may not have people rally around you, but I want to tell you something. Every step of faith is always worth it. God's always been faithful. He always overcomes. He always perseveres. He is with you. But sometimes our steps of faith exposes the fears of others, Right? Steps of faith expose the fear of others. How would you like it if your 16-year-old brother who you've been, maybe it's Rampage Jackson in the, in the anybody watch UFC? Y'all watch that? Y'all remember Rampage? That's a bad fool, man. That cat, I didn't want none. Right hook like crazy. And maybe uh, your, your older brother's been staring and he's been too scared to get in the ring and then your little brother shows up on the scene, puts on some boxing gloves, boom, 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 big guy goes down, right? Wouldn't you be embarrassed? It'd be like, man, he is exposing how scared I am, Right? That's one. The second thing is this, and I would write this down. This goes a little bit like last week, that Eliab couldn't see what David saw. He couldn't see what David saw. Because see, what David saw was this, nothing of his own gain, but he saw a God who was able, a God who was faithful, that could take this Goliath out. That it wasn't something in and of itself, but he had faith in the God that could take Goliath out that David was seeing something different. And I want to tell you something. I want to speak a little bit into what I see and what, what kind of our reasons we're here and why we gather here today. I want to share a little bit of that because I want you to see what I see. And the reason we're here and the reason we gather is that we're going to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We're going to pray every week like crazy that God would continue to do what he does and that's change hearts, to heal people, to fix situations that were broken that no man could fix, that God would do something in this place that could only be credited to a sovereign God. Amen? 
That's what we do every single week. And what I see is that a community, that 90% of the community, they don't even go into a building on Sunday. They don't even go into a building that, that we, uh, we have the good news of the gospel and we've got a community that we're going to bring change, that we're going to affect this community for the glory of God. And we're going to continue to share the gospel. We're going to continue to make disciples. We're going to see God do incredible things in this place. I believe that with every fiber in my bones. That is why we're here. Youth that's here today. It starts with you. We got, we got, a, we got a meeting after this. It's going to be awesome. I believe that we're going to reach hundreds of youth in this community, that we're going to give them the good news of the gospel, and we're going to see God do incredible things. And that's what I'm seeing. But see, here's the thing. Many just can't see what you see. And then what happens? We're going to learn through the series of this story that once David steps up to the plate and shows them that he's legit, what does everyone do? They rally around what David's already seen, that he's seen what God can do. Amen? Sorry, I'm a loaded gun today. Let me get back on track. So I want to tell you something. Wherever you're at today, that I want for this time forward, I want us to look at what we can learn from David's steps of obedience, what we can learn from David's faith, okay, for the rest of the sermon of what, what can we learn from this step of faith from David? What can we take from it? Point number one, I want you to see this, all right? How do we live a life of faith? Point number one, we must take steps of faith, all right? We must take steps of faith. See, faith is this. I had to look this up. Faith is a big word, right? Like it, it can mean a lot of things. I actually looked this up in the dictionary. Faith is complete trust and confidence in something. Complete trust and confidence in something. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. I want to talk to you about how we live as believers. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. This is what it says. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, an encouraging letter. This is how we live, okay? For we live by faith, not by sight. Hear that one more time. We live by faith, not by sight. So what this would lead me to believe is that we live by complete confidence in something we cannot see. Hear that again. We live in complete confidence of someone, something, a, a, a God that we cannot see, that we must take steps of faith, all right? It's like this. If, if, if you said, Pastor Buck, I can, man, it's summertime. I've been thinking about swimming a lot. I can, I can hop in a pool and I can swim 10 laps without stopping, all right? That's good, great, grand. That's wonderful. I hope you can. But all summer long, right, you walk around the pool and you just kind of put on your floaties and you're kind of paddling in the shallow end, right? I used to coach wrestling. Half my kids couldn't swim. I used to make fun of them. They'd, they'd be in there with their little floaties. I had to buy them before the wrestling season. But anyway, you, you, you know, you're in there paddling around and you keep telling me all summer, man, I, 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 I believe, I, I know I can. I can. I can hop in there and swim 10 laps. Well, here's the deal. If you've never hopped in the pool and your butt don't go to swimming in the deep end, did you ever take a step of faith? Right? Did you ever take a step of faith? And so steps of faith are things we can't see yet, but we have complete confidence that God's going to be there. It's like this. If I step off of this uh, platform here, and I'm getting all in your grill. Sorry, guys. Don't let me spit on you or nothing. I talk really fast. But if I step off, right, and I'm looking at you guys, I don't know what's going to catch me. Right? I have 
no idea, but it's having complete confidence as I step off and I wish something cool would appear so I could step off and it'd be a great illustration, but I don't have it. But it's faith that I'm going to be caught. Even though I'm looking at you, I can't see down, all right? But I have faith that this God is waiting on me right here, that he's going to be there, right? J.D. Greer says it great, and I would, I would take this home with you, right? Because when I planted this church, people thought I was a nut. I was crazy. They're like, man, you're, you're an administration. Like, you're, gonna, you gotta, you're a gravy train, brother. Like, stay, stay, stay put. But I knew God was going to catch my foot. And so J.D. Greer says it like this. Faith is this. Allowing God to do something in you and through you that you know you could never do on your own. Hear that one more time. This is what J.D. Greer says. He, he defines faith that I love this. A pastor up in North Carolina. Faith is this, allowing God to do something in you and through you that you know you could never do on your own. So this has been my challenge to you and my response to that. Every person in here, you've got a next step of faith, right? You've got a next step of faith is that we don't take one step and then like we, we sit down. Everyone in here has a step of faith, right? For some of you today, maybe it's genuine salvation. It's your first step. And y'all, I want to tell you something is that I didn't get saved until I was 21, that I was able to admit that I had pride, that I was a sinner, and that my life was no longer about this world, but my life was about Christ, right? And I want to, I want to relate with you in a minute, just so you know, like I, I've, not, I've not been in ministry, but just a little while, it's been a year, year and a half, two years maybe, and y'all, I, I've, I've ran, I've, I've done some stuff, right? I've got a past. And some of you in here today, I want you to know that for you, you might be the first one in your community group, your family, your situation, the first one that's ever taken a real step. I understand that. How scary is that, right? For me, we had no friends that followed the Lord. We all went to church. We were all good guys. We all partied on the weekend. We all did our thing. We, 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 we did that. And no one broke that cycle. Because Why? We love comfort, don't we? Right? Comfort is such an idol in this, in this life, especially where we're at, that we naturally want to fit in with the people we're around, and we don't want to take that step to be different. But I want, to, I want to tell you something. If you're the first one in your group, you're the first one in your neighborhood, you're the first one in your family uh, that's going to take that step, I want to tell you, we, at this church, we don't leave you alone. Right? When you take that step, we rally around you, we want to help you. We want to walk with you. We'll put you with people that, that aren't going to judge you. It don't matter if you weigh the heck off, right? We will meet you where you're at, and we want to help you take your steps. That As you begin to sense and, and experience the love of God in your heart, we're going to walk with you. We're going to do those things with you. And I want to press on this because I know salvation for me, what kept me, kept me away from it for so long was comfort was not knowing what it was going to look like on the other side, not knowing what it was going to look like when I stepped off the stage. But y'all, when I stepped, I would not climb back up on that stage for two seconds. I wouldn't climb back up for any reason. And so I want to encourage you, and maybe some of you, your family's been like mine, is it's like we've been good people, right? We hadn't, nobody's been arrested too much. We might hang out a little bit on the weekend. We'll catch a church service most of the time, and we'll have good character, and, and that's kind of it like a life largely absent of Christ, I want to tell you something. That doesn't have to be what it is. It doesn't have to be 70 years of that. It doesn't have to be 80, 90 years of that. But Christ wants to give you purpose, fulfillment, things you've never found anywhere else in this world. That's what Christ wants to do. Maybe your next step is to be heart and soul with this church that you've been kind of shopping, man. You know what I mean? Like kind of, kind of checking it all out and, 
And man, here's the deal. God wants to get you involved somewhere for his kingdom. And the way we do that is through the local church, is that we get involved. And if it's not here, I'd encourage you to get involved somewhere because we've got a mission that is absolutely huge. You know what I mean? We've got a huge mission. We need soldiers, folks. We need folks on board, man. We're waiting on you to come to us. Like, we are ready. Like, we love doing this stuff. And here's the deal. We're not going to act weird. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. We're going to walk with you every step of the way. This is a culture we're creating in this community in that Christ is the foundation of it. He's what we do. And, y'all, it's not weird to be a part of it, but rather we believe they're going to gather, they're going to come to us, and we're going to continue to see people take that first step of faith. We're going to see disciples raised up. We're going to see people help other people learn to take that first step of faith and that God's going to do incredible things in this place. We believe it. We wake up, and it's in, my, it's in my daggum veins, man. I believe it. I believe it. Sorry, I was a wrestling coach, if you can't tell. Intense. Anyway, I'll try and tone it back. It's church. Um, next thing is this. Maybe it's joining a connect group, finding a group of people that, that you can come be a part of and do life with. Y'all, take that step, man. Take that step. A connect group is awesome. Changed my life. Take that step step. It's going to be awesome. There's not a bunch of theologians talking about the Bible in there. It's going to be people that are ready to meet you where you're at and encourage you to take your next step. And if maybe you've never opened the Bible before, you will fit right in. There's some, there's some folks that they're right there with you, okay? Maybe your next step is this, is to become a connector that you want to serve. You see all these folks with the shirts on? They come up here, they get here an hour before the service, we sing a couple songs, we encourage one another, and then they just go serve you. I'm not paying them under the table, I promise, right? They just come and give of their sales. Right now, your kids are learning about Jesus on their level because people are doing everything they can. They're dressed up like farmers, and they're trying to get the gospel to your kids right now on their level. Nothing in it for them. They just want to serve and be a living sacrifice for God. Maybe today it's to be obedient with your finances. Maybe it's to finally say, yep, I'm in, heart and soul, like my first tenth is going to God. Right? And we've not done a good job of teaching on that. We're going to continue to do that. That's a huge step of faith, right? It's a huge step of faith. But here's the deal. This is what I know about every single person in this room. We all have a next step. And the last thing I'd say, if you feel that stir in your heart, you know one of those steps is God speaking to you. Uh, God always pays for what he orders. Hear that again. God always pays for what he orders. If he's asking you to do something, promise you. I know you can't do it on your own. I know you can't see it on your own. God will pay for it. God will meet you. Once you take that step, he'll surround you. He'll pay the check, all right? Don't you love friends like that, all right? They'll pick up that check every now and again. God always pays for what he orders, all right? So the first thing, to live a life of faith, we have to actually take a step of faith. Second thing I want you to see in this text is expect opposition. Hear that again, expect opposition, right? Like, don't think everyone in your family, they're going to rally around you. Oh, you decided to follow Jesus. Let's have a big party, right? No, right? No. Expect opposition. Expect people to not understand. Expect people to feel like they're being judged. Expect people to feel like, man, you're just better than us now. Expect opposition, right? I got hit in the dang jaw because I thought people would rally around this vision, and I thought that people that were close to me, some people have never even asked how our church is going, people that I eat supper with, like that I consider close friends, and I'm like, man, it, I'm just like, man, what's going on? Like, man, it just, come on, you know? But understand that God said it would happen this way. 1 John 3, 13 and 14, it should be on the screen. I'm just going to read it on the screen. Um, you don't have to turn there. It says, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if 
the world hates you, if you meet opposition, if that people struggle with steps of faith, God promised that opposition would happen, right? God promised it. Like, now who's it on? Is it on them or is it on me for not being ready for opposition, right? Like, that's on me. Because here's the deal. We don't take steps of faith for the approval of man. We take steps for the approval of God. You remember that? It's for God alone, you and God, that relationship. And here's the thing. The more you take steps of obedience, the farther you go, you'll see those hearts change, right? People will see what you're seeing. People will begin to be shaped much more by your steps of obedience than by their ridicule and persecution of you, I promise. You'll begin to shape them and help them and give them the gospel by your steps of faith. Brothers and sisters, just keep on walking. You hear me? Just keep on walking. God's worth it. We're gonna put people in your life. You're gonna have people to walk this faith out with you. Brothers and sisters, keep taking steps of faith. Amen? I know I'm going 100 miles an hour. It's, it's good stuff, all right? Another thing I would tell you um, is this, is we are designed to look different. People aren't supposed to understand. Understand that if they can't see what you're seeing, if they don't know Christ, don't expect them to act all, like, all up in your stuff, like excited about it, right? That's like the essence of, of, that's crazy. If they can't see what you're seeing, like don't expect them to rally around what you're doing, right? Like that's, that's craziness, Okay? That's craziness. I want to tell you a story, and, and just to encourage you, um, there's a guy back home. Uh, my dad's the, uh, the, the athletic director back at the, at the school I came from, and he had this coach coming in. And y'all, this coach, he's like a pretty sharp-looking guy. He's probably about six foot. He's got the abs, you know what I mean? I mean, he's going to, ladies going to be checking him out this summer, all right? I'll just say that. Like, he's a sharp-looking guy. He's in education, and this guy, like his past, y'all, I mean, he's from up north. He's from Michigan, so he's got that accent. He just stands out a little bit. He has lived a wild life, okay? He told me, this is what he told me. I've gotten a conversation with him after he got saved. He said, it is a miracle from God that I have a teaching certificate. That's what he told me, all right? Like, dude has a past. And so uh, he comes to my dad and them Sunday school class, and they start talking about, uh, I can't remember the story they're talking about, but it's just a normal Sunday school class, and they said the whole time he's staring and he's like, like he's just staring at the ground and like he's hearing the story and, and they're like, all right, what's wrong with this guy? You know what I mean? Like they don't know what he's about to do. He's a little different. And so they get done with the Sunday school lesson and he looks up and says, what do I need to do to be saved? Right? What do I need to do to be saved? And my dad said it was the most powerful thing. These grown men start crying in the Sunday school class. And anyway, they lead him to Christ right there. And so he's just filled with God, man. He's so excited. And uh, he goes back to the school he's at. He hasn't gotten to my dad's school yet. He goes back to the school he's at. And he calls my dad and them two days later. And he's in tears. This is a grown man now. And he says, people that I was in their wedding, and they were in my wedding, that all they do is ridicule me. All they do is ridicule me. Think about how scary it is to, to be a Christian, like to really be one. And he says, all they do is they make fun of me. Like they, they're giving me a hard time. They, they, these guys are like people I hung out with Monday through Thursday, and they, won't, they don't want nothing to do with me. They said, good riddance, get gone. And man, I just, I just hurt for coach, that coach so much, and I love that dude, man. I hope y'all get to meet him. But that's a true story. That happened. Understand, we were designed to expect opposition. But see, here's the deal. Christ came to serve, to reach the lost, and what did he meet? He met a cross, right? Christ gave us the example that we would expect opposition in this life. And the last thing is this. Throughout history, all right, 
This is good news to you. How many of you have had trials, persecutions, difficulties to follow God, right? Thank you for your honesty. Here's the deal. Throughout history, wherever the gospel has been squeezed, it flourishes, right? Wherever the gospel has been squeezed, it's always flourished. And here's the deal. If you know you have a relationship with the Lord that you, you are saved and you know the Lord, when you experience trials and persecutions, get ready. God's getting you ready for something, right? And I so often forget that, but God's getting you ready for something, that he's gonna use you in an incredible way. Um, it's just awesome. So expect persecution. Expect persecution. And last thing, y'all, I, I, I turn back to 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. I'm so glad God gave me this. I almost missed it. I'm so glad God gave me this. I almost missed it. I, I, I literally was studying last night or night before. And um, here's the deal. So we've been talking about thick skin. We've been talking about thick skin. But what did I say? To follow the Lord, we've got to have thick skin and what? A tender heart, right? Thick skin and a tender heart. A heart that loves Christ, but also that loves people, period. Not how people, we don't love people for how they treat us. We don't love people for what they can do for us. We just love people, period. Why? Because we know how much Christ has loved us. That while we were in rebellion, Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were rebelling against God, he went to the cross. While people ridiculed Christ, he went and hung on a cross. God did that. So I want you to read verse 32. This is awesome. So remember, David's own brother's ridiculing him, Right? David's own brother is saying, you're a phony, man. You're a fake. This ain't real. His own brother's ridiculing him. In verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart. You talk about a leader. Listen to this. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Let no one lose heart. David was willing to die for the man who ridiculed him. Hear it again. David was willing to go and fight and die for the man who ridiculed him. I mean, two verses earlier, his own brother ridicules him, and David says, let no man, don't lose heart, all right? Like, if it were me, and now I'm just going to be honest, when people slam me with words, my first tendency is to shell up, to cower away. My first tendency is to be hurt and to go find the closet somewhere and just hang out. Thank God for men like David that said, that's not my response. David saw those men, the, the men that ridiculed him, his own brother, and says, I'll go and fight. Don't let any man lose heart. And so the last point I would say, keep a tender heart, all right? Keep a tender heart. Don't let man stop you from taking next steps for God. Keep a tender heart because, see, here's the deal. A tender heart leads to an influential life. Hear that again. A tender heart leads to an influential life. You want people to start following you, the people to ask the right questions of why you do what you do, let people hurt you and love them anyway. Do that again. Let people hurt you and love them anyway. Show a love that is absolutely unnatural. See, we haven't been uniquely Christian and uniquely like Christ until we've loved those who have hurt us. Right? We haven't been uniquely Christian until we've loved those who have hurt us. That's why we should live a life of faith. Is that it's freedom. That we, we don't have to live this life in response of everything's going on out there. We, we don't have to live a life in response to that. But rather, we can live a life of confidence in something we can't see yet. But here's the deal. When you draw your last breath, all right, nothing but freedom and joy. Nothing to worry about at all. 
That's what faith is, is having full confidence in something you can't see yet. So today, y'all, I, I know God has put this in here for a purpose, that some of you have next steps to take, and I pray today that this would be the day you take your next step. Some of you today, I know that your next step is your first step and that God has given this message to someone and that it's time. It's time to get on board. Y'all, we're waiting on you. We are ready. We're ready to mobilize. We're ready to get you plugged in. It's going to be awesome. Okay? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, right now, whatever you're doing in this place, God, I know you're moving in hearts. God, you're faithful. Uh, I, I know you're, you're, you're moving in people's hearts. You want to see people next, next, take next steps. And God, I believe that there's someone in here today that your step is your first step. And here's the thing. We're going to celebrate like crazy with you because we all know who we were and where we were when Christ found us. It's nothing weird, nothing awkward. It's, it's what God wants to do. It's what he uh, sent people to preach the gospel for. It's what he sent Christ for is to save you. So if today's the day you know that God's calling you to himself, that he's been drawing you, that he's been working on you, and today you want to give your life to Christ, would you just raise your hand? Is that anybody in here today? That today's the day. I'm going to give you a few seconds. If you know God is, is saying it's time, we want to come pray with you. We want to celebrate like crazy. Is that anybody in here today? For the rest of us, I pray that we would just take our next steps, that, that we would live a life of faith, that God, we wouldn't let the Goliaths in our life slow us down. Lord, we would continue to follow you with all our hearts, and God, we would just continue to see you do incredible things in this place. God, I pray uh, this front will be open if people have to come and forgive or it's time to, to take a step of faith. God, that they would just come and respond and worship you here at the altar. God, we love you. Lord, thank you for your word today. It never uh, returns void. God, it's good. We love you and we thank you, Father, for it's in your name that we pray. Amen. You guys stand aside.